Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back to the huddle. Dave Schwartz, Pete Nigerian joining you this morning. We're getting some great calls. Uh, we're getting some great texts, uh, Pete, on the Cities One Plumbing Talk and Text Line. 651-461-9226. The question today, why does it seem like every year the Gophers start hot and then cool <laughs> off? Uh, Pete, we've talked quite a bit about it. We've got some interesting texts. This one I love because it's, it's kind of college and pro football as a whole, and I want to pose this to you as we start the second hour here. Uh, curious of sure. your thoughts. This was texted in. Curious of your thoughts on the following. Is it just me or is it are teams going for it on fourth down more this year in college and the NFL? And why, if so, why is that happening? I actually agree with this. I, I have noticed it more with the Vikings, and I think, it, from my perspective, that's just Kevin O'Connell as opposed to Mike Zimmer's mindset, right? Mike Zimmer was very old school. He wouldn't go for it on fourth down. And then when he did, it was the wrong play call. But I, I do think Kevin O'Connell's rolling the dice more. As a whole across just college football or NFL, do you see that as well? Absolutely. And I think a lot of that does have to do with uh, younger coaches, uh, different yeah. attitude about those fourth down type calls. Um but I think that the one thing that is overlooked oftentimes by those that are making those calls, I'm okay with it when you start to get towards midfield or, or maybe even a little bit deeper into the opponent's territory. When you're back on your own, let's call it 25-yard line or less, uh, which is what we did against Purdue, that's a very game-changing thing because if you don't make it, and the odds are probably better that you do make it, right? It's fourth and one. You just need to get one yard or one foot or whatever it might be. Um, that's all great, but when it doesn't work, now all of a sudden you've got a team that's already got practically points on the board because of where you turn the ball back over to them. And that's, that's where I think, you know, there, that, that's a difference as well. And I think it's, you know, there's so much, everybody's getting into analytics and we've got it from the Vikings. We've got it from everybody, the Gophers, yeah. and everybody has their opinions on that. But, um, you know, I do think that that is why, and you mentioned Kevin O'Connell, he's younger, he's, he wants to be a little bit more aggressive, and they, they do pay attention to those numbers. And I think that that's, that's part of it. And I'm okay with it as long as it is, like I say, somewhere closer to the 50-yard line midfield. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, quite frankly, you know, Coach Holtz was so smart, I thought, and I, I was lucky enough to play for him for a couple of years at the University of Minnesota. And he had these all kinds of different stats even back then. And I'm talking about 1985. So, you know, I'm going back in time pretty good. But, <laughs> you know, but, but Coach Holtz would tell us, he said, look, you know what? I've, I've analyzed a lot of these different numbers over the years. He even had an, a, a very strong opinion on whether, you sh whether I should call heads or tails. I was one of the captains. 
<laughs> every time that I was up there, if it was my opportunity to call it, he had a strong opinion on that. But when it comes to that, you know, certain things, um, he said, if you, if you start with the ball, and it doesn't matter how far, but if you start with the ball on your side of the 50, your chances of scoring points are X percent. And if you have it on the other side of the 50-yard line, your, your numbers go up dramatically. And, it, you know, he said it could be as, as small a number as just two or three yards of difference. Um, from where the ball is placed. But, you know, he, his point was if you're on the other side of the 50, um, you know, you, you have a great opportunity to score. And, and you know, when you see these, these teams that are going for it deeper into their own territory, um, it just doesn't make sense to me because why give them any kind of an advantage at all? But, uh, you right. know, everybody's got their opinions and the, the, anal- the analytics will say this and that. And um, I'm just not always a big believer in, in a lot of the analytics. No, me neither. But I, I do love going forward on fourth and down. Um, fourth down. <laughs> Pete, we got another question I want to pose to you here from the City's One Plumbing mm-hmm. Talk and Text Line, which I thought was interesting. And, and I did not get a chance to see the entire game last week. Uh, uh, excuse me, the game against Illinois. Uh, mm-hmm. But people are asking, uh, the hit on Tanner Morgan, did you mm-hmm. think that, the, that he should have been kicked out, thought it was a, maybe a, a hit to the head? Yeah, you know what, and, and somebody asked that that same question actually last week, um, yeah. and, and and I know that you were you were gone and, and for all the right reasons, but um, you know I have such a hard time with this. I get it when it feels like you know, and we all have our gut instinct on what targeting really truly looks like, mm-hmm. and what hitting somebody head to head, even though you weren't targeting, also has a different look to it. Um, so, you know, uh, as a very aggressive linebacker, which I was when I played, I, uh, I, would, I would tell you that I, I still like the aggressiveness of the game. I want to protect people. And sometimes it's going to happen where somebody, whether it's twisting a knee the wrong way because of something or you hit helmet to helmet because it just can happen. Uh, you know, there's, mm-hmm. what people I think oftentimes don't really understand is the speed at which you are traveling and how much control you have um, to be able to pull up at the last minute and, and not hurt yourself in, in the mid as well, um, it's difficult. So I, I don't know that I would say absolutely that is, that should have been called, mm-hmm. uh, but it most likely probably should have been called. But, you know, that it's such a difficult call. It really is um, for me because we, people don't understand the speed you're moving at and, and, and how much, you know, if you're a 240-pound, 250-pound linebacker, and you're running at the top speed that you've got, and, and they duck their head late, the running back or the quarterback or wide receiver right. or whoever it is, they duck their head, and then suddenly you're supposed to adjust faster than, you know, than lightning, basically. It's, <laughs> it's not as easy and it's not as, as, as uh, fixable as I think everybody thinks because either you're able to make tackles you know, or, or not, but uh, there are targeting. There's no doubt that there's targeting calls that deserve to be called, but – there's also a lot of gray area in between as well. Well, and in the NFL, you're not allowed to hit the cornerback, basically, is what we've, what, it's the point we've come to now, uh, especially if it's well, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Let's just put that out there, right? Like, that's the truth. Well, hey, Tom Pete, will you, start having, he'll, he'll start having the flags on both sides, and we'll just have I know. to pull a flag. <laughs> it's, it's such a, and I, it's such a joke to me where the NFL has gotten now uh, with the way quarterbacks are treated. And I, and I, I can already guess that I know what your take is on this, considering what you played. 
but it's so silly to me. And yeah. I'll, I'll, I think we talked about it, or at least I remember drove, drove me crazy. The tackle against um, on Tom Brady when they played, they, they beat the uh, Falcons a couple weeks ago, and the defender mm-hmm. brings him down. They call him for roughing the passer, which is just ridiculous, and and it absolutely <laughs> gave him the game. Um, mm-hmm. But while we're talking about quarterbacks, we, I want to just kind of put a bow on this because we talked about it to start the first hour of the show with Ethan Kaliak Manis. Um, mm-hmm. And you and I agree that this kid has it. Uh, he's got the – certainly has the physical presence, um, the physical attributes. What did you – I know what I loved. I, what I loved last night is when he was in the pocket and he was given maybe more than two seconds, which you – very attributes – what did you? I, I know what I loved. I, what I loved last night is when he was in the pocket and he was given maybe more than two seconds, which you very uh, correctly mm-hmm. talked about in the first hour. When he was given more than those two or three seconds, I thought the kid had an absolute cannon, and mm-hmm. his accuracy could be a little better. You know, he he put some throws and he needed to go outside shoulder on a couple of them, uh, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. But I I just I think this kid has the tool set and passes the eye test. I believe you do as well. Yeah, and I can also tell you that we're not the only ones who see it. Um, you know, I, I, I think the coaching staff also sees it, but plenty of scouts out there who have looked at this kid who have been standing there looking at other kids on the, on the team have pointed out to me, hey, that kid's got it, and, and, yeah. and he's still very young, but he has it. He has that it factor, that arm that everybody wants to see, and he'll only get better, I think, over time because he's still so young, but it's, it's going to be really interesting. I'll tell you, he – he has so many different he, – he's such an athletic quarterback as well. He ran the ball really well and pretty effectively on a couple of occasions. I mean, as bad as we may have played in the big scheme of things, especially in the second half, there were, there were moments and there were times where you looked at him and you said, wow, you know what, that guy does have that burst. He has that ability to use his athleticism to make plays. And I think, you know, as he gets more and more experience, he's just going to get better at that. And he's, he does throw the ball extremely well. He's a fun, fun kid to watch. He's different than any quarterback the Gophers have had, I think, for a while now. And yeah. it's, it, it's going to be something special when, when they hand the reins over to him, which I think that they will. Uh, I, I do think that he, he stands out to me. And he, he stood out even three, four, five weeks ago um, to me as a, as a kid who's got – incredible potential and we probably should be giving we should have been giving him a little bit more time in those earlier games that we were playing as well just to just to give him a little bit more game experience than then he would have probably felt a little more comfortable at Penn State yeah I, I agree and speaking of young men who uh, have a lot of potential in their sport Matt Boldy has played phenomenally for the Minnesota Wild and we are going to switch gears next to talk about uh, their their so-so start to the season. Jesse Pierce is going to join us in just a moment to talk about the Wild and their start to the season. You are listening to The Huddle on 830 WCCO. Welcome back to The Huddle. 1120 on a Sunday morning. The Minnesota Wild are 1-3-1 and one to start the season. We've seen some good. We've seen some not so good. Jesse Pierce covers the Wild on NHL.com. She is also host of the Bar Down Beauties podcast, and she joins us now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Jesse, good morning. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're watching this team pretty closely, and uh, through the first game or two, 
a, a thought came in my mind, and it kept getting more and more. And I think it was because I heard you in the post-game press conference in one of those games where you asked Dean Evason, you know, does Marc-Andre Fleury seem like he's fighting it a little bit? And it seemed like an incredulous statement at the time because here's a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer. How, why would he fight it? But as the games have continued to go here, it really does look like he's fighting it, at least through the first two periods. Are you seeing that too? And if so, how could this happen to a guy who's played so much hockey? A hundred percent, Dave. I mean, I think you don't want to say that because Marc-Andre Fleury is a natural Hall of Famer and he's just such a good person and he loves to play the game of hockey. And we knew heading into the season that the Minnesota Wilds were looking at him to start the majority of the games. I'm talking 70% of these games. So, you know, you wanted him to be at his best, but absolutely. I mean, the struggles are hard to ignore. I mean, certainly you still are getting some vintage Marc-Andre Fleury in mm-hmm. some of these saves, and you know, as you alluded to, that third period especially, which is important. Um, I think, you know, you got to also look at the defense and kind of some of the porous and mistakes that are being made there, which are very uncharacteristic of this Minnesota Wild Scott, not, o- not only throughout history, but as of late. I mean, you got some pairings that are just not performing to the level that we're accustomed to. So, I mean, I think you got to start there, too, because Marc-Andre Fleury is probably – seen some different shots eke through that he's unprepared to, to save, unfortunately. So it's definitely, you know, a concern. Um, I thought yesterday in Boston where the Minnesota Wild played, he looked fantastic. So hopefully yeah. we get more of that from Flurry as we continue on throughout the season, but definitely something to keep an eye on. And, Jesse, this is Pete. I know that uh, the preseason things looked pretty good. We were, we were scoring a lot of goals. We looked like we were, um, you know, just a, a, a team on fire. But then once we get to the regular season, we seem to have, have kind of come to a bit of a halt to some degree. And, and I just wonder, it seemed like, just a matter of fact, the Boston game, that they had, they were more aggressive. They were, they were winning face-offs. They were getting in front of us. They, they had more shots on goal. It just seemed like we, we aren't quite at the same rhythm that we had in the preseason. Do you see that as well? Absolutely. I mean, I think Wild fans were planning the parade route after uh, the Wild looked undefeated almost throughout the preseason, right? We maybe got a little ahead of ourselves. And certainly preseason is such a a different game in in every level and in every sport, too. But it was. You saw so much good out of the preseason that it seemed like, okay, yes, this is the same Minnesota Wild team that we saw get a franchise best regular uh, season last year. Um, it does. It just seems, again, and I keep going back to the word uncharacteristic because I do look at the Minnesota Wild team and how they've been performing through the first couple games of the year, and it's not what I would expect them to do. You know, not to say that I'm expecting everything that happened last year to translate over to this year. It's just still some of the mistakes. They're very kind of amateurish a little bit. I mean, even Kirill Kaprizov, who is, you know, killing it every night and, and eating up these minutes and, and doing things that he's supposed to be doing and expected to be doing, but he's almost sometimes overdoing it, which causes these mistakes. And again, it's these little finer details that are really killing the wild in the end. So I think those will continue to work themselves out. Obviously, you hope that happens sooner rather than later. Um, But, you know, I think in the past two games, at least, you have seen Minnesota Wild get a little bit better, get a little bit more like the preseason team that you saw. Um, And again, hopefully that trend continues here throughout the rest of the year. Jesse Pierce joins us now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. We are talking wild hockey. Uh, Jesse, I have been so impressed watching Matt Boldy this year. I liked him last year. I absolutely love the way that he is playing this year, both on the puck and away from the puck. Have Have you seen this? Has the coaching staff seen this? Is, I mean, is he taking this next step now in his career? 
Absolutely. And I think Matt Boldy was one of the guys, and I don't think there were too many for me that I looked at and saw what he did last year and said, you know what, he's going to get better. Not to say that's a knock against any of the other players. You could just see that he hadn't really reached the ceiling and what he was able to accomplish last year without playing a full season, mind you, right? He was injured to start the year. You just knew that he was ready to take that next step in the in his career. You know, I think he sees the ice so brilliantly and he puts himself in the position to not only make the plays, but receive the plays and, and bury the pocket. He's just He's such a sound two-way hockey player. That is absolutely exciting to see, especially when you consider how cheap he is. And right now, everybody's still knowing <laughs> the restrained salary cap, right? I mean, you love to have a guy that, that's that yep. young uh, can develop and, and at, at a very affordable cost for, for a little bit. Now, naturally, that's not going to stay low forever, right, guys? It's, it's going right. to increase, but uh, I love everything that I continue to see out of Matt Boldy for sure. Jesse, is there somebody else that, that's impressing you at least early on as well that you, you, you know, you kind of came into this year thinking, you know what, I'd like to see them make a step forward and they are making that step forward. Is there somebody else other than Boldy? Yeah, I would say Kalen Addison. Um, you know, we saw glimpses of him last year. He was touted as a power play specialist, which has been seen to be very, very true. He is absolutely quarterbacking that power play, which has been fairly successful for Minnesota throughout the year so far here. Um, you know, and I mentioned kind of the porous defense and the struggles that you're seeing from some of your veteran combinations and veteran pairs. Um, Kalen's really just stepped into that third pairing and, and I think done phenomenal. Sometimes you don't notice him, which can be the best thing too. Sometimes you don't want to notice the defenseman, right? Cause you don't want to notice the mistakes that they're making, but I really love what I'm seeing out of Addison. I'm glad he's gotten this opportunity to start with the club and, you know, solidify a spot on the blue line for himself. Jesse, we've heard uh, so much about Marco Rossi over the years. I, I too, have drank the Kool-Aid and was very excited to see him come up and play. He, he's had a decent start, but I think um, obviously he also was a healthy scratch for one game as well. W- where is his game at this point? Do you feel like he is um, he, he's pressing a bit and that's why the points aren't coming? Or is it just a matter of uh, the whole team isn't maybe working the best they can right now? I, I'm just... I guess what I'm asking is Marco Rossi, I think people thought would come out of the gate a little bit better. And, and I thought maybe there was – not to say that he was going to be a Kirill Kaprizov, but maybe one or two of those pucks go in early on and it's a different start. But he seems just like he's struggling a bit these first couple games. Yeah, I think that's a perfectly accurate assessment, Dave. I mean, you he's a first-round pick a couple years back, so you do have high expectations for a guy like that. Everybody was anxious to see him last year, but obviously he spent that year in Iowa developing. And I think throughout training camp and preseason, Marco Rossi did fit. He seemed comfortable, which is a huge thing for a player to come in and to fit seamlessly into a lineup. I think the question I have, I mean, not only might he be pressing a little bit because he is, he's accustomed to scoring, accustomed to picking up assists, accustomed to doing this and that. Um, you know, I think he's getting less minutes than he's also accustomed to, which is not giving him some of those opportunities as well. And whether that's, you know, Dean Edson and coaching staff assessing and saying, hey, you know what, we're not seeing what we want out of you yet, or maybe it's, you know, there's always, they know more than I do about what they're doing. But I feel like that's kind of the thing holding Rossi back a little bit is just that he, you know, there are some times when he's only gotten five minutes on the ice, right? And I didn't see necessarily him playing poorly, but maybe it's just kind of they're preferring to use their veterans to try to get something going. So hopefully that starts to change as Minnesota starts to trend more into the winning column. Maybe you see more of Marco Rossi. Maybe he's able to kind of find his groove there. But I think it just might take a little bit of time. Again, well, you know, I think people here in Minnesota, we like to hit that panic button, right, guys? We like to get a little nervous. <laughs> no, it's, not uh, us. Yeah, not us. It's an it's an eighty two game season. It'll be okay. And then Rossi 
will be okay because you do. You've seen glimpses of of really good. I just think it might take him a little bit to figure it out. I mean, yeah. it's the National Hockey League. It's a it's a different animal. And Jesse, it seems that you're right, and and there are teams that just seem to always be rising and being somewhere near the top. It looks like Dallas is Dallas and Colorado and St. Louis. They, they just seem to be starting off just like you'd almost expect. Right. And, and somewhere in between all of them, you've got Nashville who's really been, you know, kind of struggling with, uh, with the goalkeeping so far. Are, are we looking at some of the teams that, that Minnesota is going to be having to challenge uh, to be able to get up in there and maybe make a playoff run? I mean, I think so. I think, you know, when I've been asked this question before is what's Minnesota's outlook for the playoffs? I think, I think they make the playoffs, but it's going to, I mean, I think so. I think, you know, when I've been asked this question before is what's Minnesota's outlook for the playoffs? I think, I think they make the playoffs, but it's going to be another bubble situation, which again, fans are very accustomed to. It's going to come down to those final games because yes, you have Colorado. St. Louis, I believe is still undefeated. So they're having the heck of a start to the season. You know what they bring in, in Dallas. And you mentioned Nashville too, who I, I expect it to be doing far better because they made some serious moves in the offseason that it looks like they are just really going to press. Um, but even the Winnipeg Jets, who I kind of had in my head not doing so hot, they're not looking as bad. So, I mean, it could be a tighter competition for Minnesota in the Central, but that's also kind of where they thrive, I think. You know, I just think sometimes when their backs are against the wall is when they tend to really push back, which, you know, to say that's co- competitors in general. But, um, you know, I think Minnesota – might have their work cut out for them a little bit more than they have in uh, in the year past, but um, I imagine they're up for the challenge. Again, you've got some very, very talented players, even outside of number 97. I mean, Matt Zuccarello is off to a fantastic start. Uh, hopefully, Jordan Greenway, things shake out, and he gets back sooner rather than later so you can get that identity uh, grief line back. Um, and, you know, give Marc-Andre Fleury time to kind of figure it out, and again, that defense to tighten up, and, and things will be okay. Jesse Pierce is joining us at the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Jesse, last one for you. you. You talked about Jordan Greenway. They certainly could use his physical presence. He missed a couple of games, missed a lot of the offseason with a shoulder with a shoulder upper body injury, came back, and then he left again. What's the latest that you know? Uh, how long could he be out? When might they get him back in the lineup? Yeah, uh, you know, the, the only update I have is what we got from postgame uh, Dean Evson the other night at home, and it was, he was still being evaluated. I know he obviously had confirmed that he would be out in Boston. I'm not sure if Jordan made this trip because it is a lengthy trip. If he made the trip, that's more promising than if he didn't, right? Because if he makes the trip, that means that the injury isn't as serious. Uh, Dean did confirm that night that it is not a re-injury of his shoulder, which is good, right? You don't want to have that be the problem that keeps arising for him throughout his career here, certainly. Um, you know, But again, hopefully sooner rather than later. To leave the game after the first period on his season debut, you know it has to be slightly serious, uh, but you know, definitely something to keep an eye on because he is such an integral part of this team and of that Jules Eriksson and Marcus Foligno line, right? I mean, that is, I refer to it as the identity line because that's what Dean has called it because they are. They've got this physical presence with the ability to score and make things happen and shut down the opposing team's best players. So getting Jordan Greenway back will absolutely help. Um, and again, we hope it'll be soon and not uh, too much into the season. Yes, we do. Jesse Pierce telling us it's 82-game season. Everything's going to be just fine. We all just need to take a deep breath. We're going to be okay. Jesse, thanks so much as always. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. 
All right, Jesse Pierce there. Jesse Pierce on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, we are going to talk some more NFL, maybe some college football, and really just kind of whatever comes uh, to our mind here in the last half of this uh, half hour. So we'll be back after a quick break. You are listening to the Huddle on eight three zero WCCO. Is the Minnesota sports fans theme song. It is the end of the world as we know it. No, it's not. Uh, it is the huddle on WCCO Radio. Dave Schwartz, Pete Nigerian with you this morning. We got about 20 minutes, Pete, and no more guests. So we just get to talk all we want for the next, uh, this last half hour of the show. So let's talk Vikings a little bit. Uh, they are sure. on the bye week this week. So they, they get a break here. Uh, but they hit the bye week uh, at, at five and one, which, although when I look at it, um, you get very excited, and, and I'm not trying to, to take everybody down a peg here, but five and one could very, very easily be three and three. Let's be honest, Pete. I mean, this is there's a couple of inches each way here that this could be different. And I'm kind of my thought to myself is I know the schedule has been easy, but they certainly can't keep winning games like this, they can't keep eking these things out. Um, what are your thoughts so far? I, I mean, five and one is good. But I also mm-hmm. think that this could be a different season right now for them uh, with a couple of inches one way or the other. You're, you're exactly right. But um, we, we could also say our only loss is to the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, uh, the Correct. only undefeated team left. So, you know, there's, there, there's always two sides of the coin. I would say this. I, I think that the success the Vikings have had, and the reason they're 5-1 and one is they've, they've taken care of the ball, except for early in the, in the year. They, mm-hmm. they had a couple of interceptions by Kirk, which were um, – you know, they, they early on, but he hasn't since. And as a matter of fact, the Miami game is almost a perfect uh, representation of what the Vikings really are. And the, the, last week they go down to Miami and they played without, I think they only had two penalties and, and Miami yeah. had almost a hundred yards in penalties. And they also turned the ball over and the Vikings didn't. And that, and that's really, um, I think, the key to their success right now is Kirk is not throwing any more uh, the interceptions that he threw early in the, in the year. And I think that's been a huge help. Dalvin, of course, is always great. And he finally did break out last week with a nice long touchdown run, which was awesome. J.J. is back from week one. He's kind of had a couple of weeks now where he's really just been absolutely outstanding. I think it's great to have Irv Smith back and, and see him in there along with Thielen. But defensively I'd be a little bit nervous uh, to your point where you know things are could go either way mm-hmm. our defense has not played well uh, let's be honest they, they, they've matter of fact I mean yes we've we had some turnovers we've done a good job with that but you know Tyreek Hill had 170 yards against us <laughs> Waddle had 130 yards against us their tight end had a couple of touchdowns so when you look at uh, the entirety of it all, and they had the backup quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, really had a great game, except when you turn the ball over like that, you give a great opportunity for the opposing team, and that's exactly what the Vikings did. So, you know, there's a combination of, of the good and the bad, and I, I, I'm still nervous about our defense, and I've been nervous about our defense since day one. Um, I think teams can have a pretty good success trying to run the football against us if they want to. But uh, Zadarius Smith has been outstanding, and you and I have talked about getting Daniel Hunter more involved in the defense, especially rushing the passer. I think that they're starting to wake up to that idea that that might be a better idea to have his hand down you know, a little bit more often yeah. and, and get pressure on these quarterbacks. Because 
you know, pressure does usually convert over to interceptions by quarterbacks because they don't have enough time and they have to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker and faster than they'd want to. And, you know, uh, but we're still giving up. Shoot, it feels like we give up about four, 400, 450 yards in a game. <laughs> that, hey, pretty darn good. close. Yeah, 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 you're right. No, I, I agree with you, Pete. I, and it um, it makes me wonder, as I was kind of, we're putting the show together today and I'm thinking, okay, so who who has overachieved and who has underachieved? When you when you look at this this team from this year, and I and I know we're both gonna the easy one here, so I'll take it out of the equation is Daniil Hunter. We both agree he's underachieved this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For me, and I'll start at underachieved because you know let's get the negative out of the way. And I don't necessarily <laughs> think it's his fault, but I'm really really curiously wondering why Adam Thielen is not putting up better numbers. And and I get it. A lot of them goes to Justin Jefferson. And this is the mm-hmm. progression, right? The better he gets, the fewer targets that Adam Thielen's going to get. But there mm-hmm. have been games where the opposition has shut down Justin Jefferson, but we still haven't yeah. seen Adam Thielen really have that big, that huge, huge game that we often see. It's You want to pick your poison, right? If you're going to go yeah. and you're going to take Justin Jefferson away, then we're going to come back with Adam Thielen. We haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't know why. I don't know if it's simply because Kirk has more comfort level with other receivers now or if it's because Adam Thielen just isn't, uh, you know, the yards after catch isn't there. But to me, mm-hmm. offensively, that's the one guy that I look at and I go, eh, we could be getting a little bit more out of him. Who do you see? Yeah, and, and, and you're probably right. I, I, I think that you're exactly right, actually, because um, I, I think Kirk is not targeting him nearly as much as he has in the yeah. past. Um but I think that's also good because K.J. Osborne has really stepped up, and we all were talking yep. about him you know, going into this season that you know, we don't just have these two. We have three great receivers. And if you throw in a healthy Irv Smith at tight end, um, it gets that much bigger. And you, know, the, you can only throw the ball around so many times in a game. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, so Adam's getting the ball probably a little bit less than he'd like to have, too. Ball around so many times in a game. <laughs> Um, and, 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 you know, so Adam's getting the ball probably a little bit less than he'd like to have too. Uh, but you know, for, for me, I, I go over to, um, the the linebacker play. I don't think has been very good. And, and what I mean by that is part of the reason I think that teams are having so much success, both, you know, primarily throwing the ball is that they having enough success running it, that when they do go to throw the ball, our, our linebackers are not in a position that they need to be in. So when I, when I look at both, you know, middle linebackers, I think to myself, yeah, they've got great numbers. Um, you know, they should have great numbers. Hicks, Hicks and Kendricks both have great numbers. They lead the team in tackles, but where are they making those tackles? Are they, are they yeah. making them five and six and seven yards downfield or are they making them, you know, two or three or four yards? And I think that's a little bit of a difference as well. So, I, I'm not putting it all on those guys that, you know, they, they, they're just, you know, I've been concerned about their size. And, and I think that if I were a team playing the Minnesota Vikings defense, I would try to pound the ball on us. I, I, I really would. And I, you know, I, I, matter of fact, when you look at something like a Philadelphia and you see how they're running the ball, but also with their quarterback running the ball, not everybody has that kind of quarterback, but those that do um, that just opens up things just that much more. And I think, you know, when I look at our defense and, and some of the changes that they've made in, in how we're formatted, you know, each and every week, I think there are weaknesses there. And that, that will at some point bite us. I mean, the, the reason I think the Buffalo Bills are as good as they are 
is not just their offense. It's also they're the best defense in football. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those kind of things as well. And we, we just aren't there when it comes to defense right now. Maybe we'll get there, but, you know, we gave up 460 yards against the Dolphins, so we're not there yeah. yet. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, in terms of who's overachieving, I'll, I'm going to talk to, uh, about Delvin Cook. You already, you already said that, uh, that he's mm-hmm. finally starting to come into his own. And it seems really silly to talk about a, a running back like him as overachieving. But um, considering, you know, we've talked about the offensive line woes at times this year, uh, the way mm-hmm. he's run the ball. He's got 450 yards. He's already got four touchdowns this year, which is, which is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of went back and forth because I'll be honest. I thought to myself, well, maybe Kirk Cousins is overachieving. And I look at his statistics and I think, nah, he's about where he should be, you know. And then I thought, Dave, you're always the card carrying member of the Kirk Cousins uh, fan club. So I'm, I'm putting it away and I got another card and it's going to be Dalvin Cook. I, I'm pretty, I'm very pleased with the way he's playing. His, he, he's got 450 mm-hmm. yards. He's obviously going to be running the ball a lot. Uh, but what I really like about the way he's playing, a little bit differently this year. He just he, he is much smarter with the ball. You talked about the turnovers. He's not fumbling as mm-hmm. much, at least it doesn't seem like it to me. And mm-hmm. and that will automatically help the offense go. And and I think that's a big reason why it's got to be him or Justin Jefferson, right? You you have to pick mm-hmm. your poison. If they're going to mm-hmm. pass, you got to you know, especially if you're going to fake it, if you're going to do an RPO, whatever. Um, and, and so you, you've got, you're going to get beat up by one of those two guys. And I think both of them doing their jobs has caused them both to be a real threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the, the great thing about the Vikings offense is we, we have enough different tools there that they've got to focus on where do they really want to attack us, right? Because when you look at Dalvin Cook being one, you've got JJ on the other side. Also, you know, even though we were just talking about he hasn't gotten enough targets, they have to keep their eye on Adam Thielen. Then you've got KJ, and then you've got Irv Smith. So we have we have a really uh, you know from the offensive standpoint. And Kirk's three of his five interceptions were against Philadelphia, and you know they're one of the better defenses in football as well. So right. there's you know I think there's a lot of positives that we can we can go with at least early on. You know we're only you know six games in or so, but um, you know it gives us gives us an opportunity. And let's be honest, I think our division gives us a great opportunity to. Yeah. Uh, to, to look even better maybe than we are when you look at how the struggles of Green Bay and, and, and Detroit, and it's just, you know, Chicago. Um, we are sitting in a pretty good spot, I think, right now. But if we want to compare ourselves to the top end, like the San Francisco 49ers, despite the fact that they're 3-3, three and three, it's a really good 3-3 three and three football team that probably is going to have a lot more wins than losses at the end of the season. But, you know, they've had their stumbles along the way early on as well especially with getting Christian McCaffrey this week. Supposedly he's going to play today. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that next because that is such an interesting blockbuster trade that happened this week, Pete. I want to ask you about that. So we'll finish up with that. We got one more block to go here. We will be back on the huddle on 830 WCCO. Welcome back. Final few minutes here on the huddle. Dave Schwartz, Pete Najarian. Pete, there was a massive trade in the NFL this week. Christian McCaffrey going to the San Francisco 49ers. First of all, it's so incredibly difficult to pull off a deal like this in the NFL, in today's NFL, right? Because the salaries have to match up. you got to get everything just right with the picks and everything. Why don't we see big trades like this more often? 
Uh, I think because of the reason you just said, <laughs> it is, it is very, yeah. very, you know, it, it, and it's, you know, it's something that they work all, obviously all off season. They're working on all these different trades that they want to do and who's the best uh, opportunity for your franchise for a free agency and all that. And then of course the draft and, and then most everybody seems to be pretty satisfied, but uh, clearly the, you know, the 49ers have had a lot of different shifts that were happening because of, first of all, the quarterback position, um, has been something that they've gone back and forth with, and it just never quite worked out with uh, trading Jimmy G. And thank goodness for them that they didn't, because it's given them the opportunity to have him. And he's he's performed probably better than most would have expected, I would think, at this point in time. But it's a great trade. It, it and this wasn't a trade that breaks anybody. I don't think it's not. It's for me. Like I looked at that Russell Wilson trade in the off season, and I thought. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you're you're trading for a guy who's getting towards that age level that you know people tend to slow down a lot. Um, you know, if, unless you're Tom Brady, but you know you've got a guy who's you know in his <laughs> close to mid 30s and quarterback who's had an injury here or there, and and now all of a sudden um, you you give two firsts, two seconds, and a couple of other players that were also very high picks, first round draft picks. Um, that was that was crazy. That was a very Herschel Walker type moment. I don't look at this one <laughs> as, as a Herschel Walker moment right now, anyway. And I, um, you know, we look at what Denver's doing, and we, you know, I, I think it's created something very good, positive for the future for Seattle, very much like it did with Dallas. But um, you know, I think that th- this one just makes a lot of sense because they they're just trying to figure out what pieces do they not have. And now think about this: we talk about you know, overcoaching sometimes and maybe what's going on with the Vikings defense and, and whether or not Daniel Hunter should have his hand down and all the rest of that. But how about when you've got this where this one does make a little more sense? Christian McCaffrey, he could very easily be out there at the wide wide receiver yeah. and then you bring Debo in and then you move back and you yeah. put Debo back out there where he's more probably comfortable but plays running back also. You can shift things around and it really could be very confusing, I think, for defenses. This could be a a really interesting moment, I think, to see what they are able to do with these players. And as long as, you know, he's expected to play, I think, 20 plays today. So, um, yeah, I, I think he is. For his, yeah. When you, Goodness, when you can... consider, when you consider there's only probably what, 60, 65 plays in a game, maybe a little bit more than that. If he's playing 20, he's getting a big bulk of work for a guy who midweek yeah. was still over on the other side of the country. Could you imagine being an offensive coordinator and looking at your playbook and seeing that you have Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey? And you said it, right? Garoppolo is, I mean, he's playing very, very well, and and he's certainly coming up uh, in his prime. But with all those offensive weapons, um, what an unbelievable, how that changes what they could do now. Uh, yeah, with that with that backfield, so fun to see what Christian McCaffrey's going to do. I'm thrilled. I got him in my fantasy league team today, so I just I'm really hoping that he gets those 20 carries or more. <laughs> I love it, Dave. Thanks, man. Great job today, by the way, as always. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Always good to be with you. Enjoy uh, that beautiful beach weather that you got down there. We're going to get colder this week, so uh, we will see you soon, Pete. Thanks so much. Thanks to you all for listening. We'll see you next week on the Huddle on 830 WCCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.